This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Peace, Minnesota. Today is September 9th. Josh, this is episode number 39. Um, cooled off a little bit as we moved in uh, to this week compared to what we've experienced these past weeks. So definitely. I think that's an understatement. It was, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as we come down the stretch here, I think, you know, good to talk about maybe what some of this cool weather means and just other factors as we come down the stretch that we want to be keeping top top of mind. But for starters on the weather side of thing, maybe just a quick GDU, GDU update and, and what we project maybe pick up average wise as we progress through these weeks. Yeah, we're, uh, we're getting close. Um, so if we uh, continue to, we've been using Preston, uh, Minnesota here for our GDU calculator starting at um, April 20th. Um, as of yesterday, we're sitting at 2,263. That is uh, 38 behind the average. Uh, Allie, yesterday I was down in Caledonia. We're doing a little pot tour there and had a bunch of growers come in. And, you know, a couple of people commented when I mentioned we were just a little behind on GDUs. They're like, how, I, I can't believe that. I don't know how we can be behind, you know, and sometimes when you just look at year over year compared to last year, Allie, we are way ahead. You know, we're probably plus 230 or 40 over a year ago. And even compared to average, one thing that's really helping us, Allie, is just the, the really early planting dates. And I also think we've had much better solar radiation and sunlight down the stretch. I think um, just the amount of sunny days is, is maybe pushing this crop just a tick faster than GDUs um, might be predicting. But with that said, Allie, um, you know, it's usually 2,400 uh, gets a 100-day uh, relative maturity to black layer. And um, you know, I guess just kind of basing on that, I think we're, we're pretty close. Yeah, so I mean, you look at when you get to black layers sitting around 35% moisture. So I think probably the biggest gray area is that as we cool down here, uh, you definitely have some ebbs and flows in terms of the number of GDUs that you're picking up a day. So a little harder to predict when we'll get that down to a harvestable moisture level. But nonetheless, like you said, we are well ahead of last year and it's just crazy to sit here today, you know, really just a, a nice spot to be sitting maturity wise versus last year. We were just hoping we could get that crop to maturity uh, before that that killing yep. freeze came into play. So yeah. drastically different year, but I think it also remind, reminds us why we don't want to sway too far one way or another on the corn maturity pendulum, just kind of live in our sweet mm -hmm. spot and for sure. it can be different from year to year. And, uh, and yesterday I was excited. I think we, we just barely got to a high of 52. So we scored one GDU yesterday and uh, today I'm not quite sure if we're going to get there. It could be a, we might get blanked, but um, takes a hundred GDUs to drop uh, the milk line up. Uh, a quarter of percent so at our current rate, it's going to take us a uh, hundred days just to drop a quarter alley. So hopefully we got warmer days to come. Yeah, that's not very positive there, Josh, but it does look like as we move into, once we get through this week, this kind of cold spell, I think the 15 day actually looks pretty respectable. So yep. don't get, don't get too caught up in this little cold snap here. For sure. Uh, but outside of weather, I think it is important, like we mentioned, you know, harvest is coming in a lot sooner than last year. And there are some things that as we're out walking fields right now that we're really keeping a closer eye on. Um, and always good to have a plan as you come into harvest. And I think one of those things is just going to be uh, keeping an eye on some of these stocks as we continue to progress and making sure that you have a, a handle on what that harvest order should look like. Just any general comments around kind of stock quality as we come down the stretch here? Yeah, it, um, we're just kind of getting to a, a point where you can maybe um, 
if you're walking fields and, and pushing stocks, you can, you can already start to tell where there's going to be some, maybe some challenges. You know, there, there can be some hybrid differences uh, genetically. However, uh, on this given year, you're probably going to find every hybrid that might have a challenge just from some of the stress that we dealt with down the stretch. And really, it's going to be two things. You know, number one, uh, moisture stress, where some, some things got shut down a little bit early, Allie. That's going to be something we got to watch. Uh, also, the last 10, 12 days, you may be been able to drive around and, and see some of those tops of some, some fields really fire up and firing up from the bottom. Some of that could be, um, you know, heavily related to some nitrogen or some nutrient deficiencies down the stretch. But um, I think those fields that are really looking yellow a little bit earlier, um, on top of those ones that were a little bit moisture stressed, um, Allie, I think you're going to want to keep a close eye on those, those stocks in those two situations down the stretch. Well, yeah, and it's kind of that compounding factor between the nutrient availability and those dry spells in different pockets coming down the stretch. And you look at, you know, that plant, corn plants starting to pull, pull all those nutrients to the ear from both directions. Um, and especially as I'm walking some of these earlier maturities that are closer, way closer to black layer, um, those are the ones that I may be noticing a little bit more um, stock integrity degradation um, over some of those fuller seasons, which are still holding on just due to their, their later maturities. Yep. And, and, um, and that, that's a great point we talked about is we're, we're pulling those, those tops of the plant down along with the, the bottoms coming up there a little bit. And, and in some cases where, you know, we've had some of that stress or we got that nitrogen stress, um, you know, the plant's going to try to finish that ear in, in one shape or form. And if it, if it can't get it supplied from the soil, which in some cases we're just running out of gas, it's going to find a way to, to try to finish that between those mobilization of nutrients and, and photosynthates um, you know, we've seen some fields, I think almost mature a little bit early alley. In some cases you've even seen, I've even seen fields that maybe didn't, um, you know, drop ears just from moisture stress. They actually dropped ears from, from some nutrition stress, uh, down the stretch. Um, but those are going to be the, the fields you want to watch the closest for sure. Allie, uh, from a stock standpoint down the, down the stretch. And, um, yeah, I don't want to, you know, be worrying about a harvest plan yet. It seems a little early, but at the same time, you know, scouting those fields here over the next 10 days is going to be really important. Welcome back listeners. Uh, Allie, in segment one, we just kind of went through a few of um, our current observations in, uh, in the corn crop and the crop in general across the area. Um, you know, here in, in segment two, we'll talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some things that are on growers' minds and, and also looking ahead here a little bit. Um, I mentioned earlier in the show that I was down in Caledonia yesterday and spent time with quite a few producers uh, down there in Houston County. And, um, you know, it, we had a pretty long, maybe a 30, 35 Q and A and they had some really good questions. And, you know, a couple of things, Allie, that came up, um, you know, last winter we talked quite a bit about um, tar spot and I had a couple of questions about kind of what we're seeing uh, with that disease progression here in Southeast Minnesota in 2020 after we had a little bit show up late uh, in 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, earlier in the season, we definitely were able to track the presence of gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight a little more commonly uh, than tar spot. But, you know, conditions just weren't conducive for it to maybe be there in a, in a huge way up until, I mean, you look at now with these temperatures dropping, dropping off, sitting in that 60 to 70 degree uh, Fahrenheit range. And those are optimum temperatures that paired with the moisture now back in the canopy of this corn crop for us to see if we're going to see tar spot, these would be the conditions that are going to, you know, allow it to come in maybe a more full force way. So, you know, ourselves and our sales reps, we will be making a more conscious effort here these final weeks in September and maybe what that presence looks like, looks like in fields across Southeast Minnesota 
I shouldn't, you know, I'm maybe making it sound like it's not here. It is here in the counties in more extreme Southeast. Um, but like I said, with these conditions, um, not sure what your take is, but I would expect it to maybe progress a little bit, which, you know, later in the season, that's where we saw it had more observations last season. So it's not a surprise to maybe see it ramp up with these conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, here's the month of September. Uh, I think a lot of the counties in Southeast are probably going to find a, a positive sample. We're still out doing some some scouting and sample collecting. And uh, we definitely got a few just off of visual ID that, you know, I'm 99.99% sure that once we get results back, it's going to be positive. And I also think it, we're going to see more and more. And even in 2019, we didn't even notice it till late September, October. Um, sometimes it does just get a little bit easier. It, it sticks out a little bit more as the, the leaves start to senesce down because uh, it is a disease that doesn't fade away with senescence. It almost jumps out at you even more. And it's a disease you can see all the way through, even in the residue after harvest. It's a disease you can see. So it's not something that's going to get harder to find. It'll probably get a little bit easier. And um, yeah, I think weather kept it in check for the most part with the, the higher temperatures and moisture stress, which is a good thing. But we'll want to make sure we understand uh, where we saw it and also uh, be thinking about that ahead. Um, you know, Allie, some other questions um, that were common. Um, you know, obviously a lot of excitement around Enlist E3 soybeans. And really, Allie, the excitement is there as, as we do look at, at soybeans this year, uh, whether it be, you know, water hemp or giant ragweed, uh, controlling those weeds in, in soybeans just isn't getting easier, uh, taking more trips, a lot of different chemistries. And um, obviously the um, the performance and the ease of use of the Enlist E3 system is something uh, growers are really taking a hard look at for 2021. Yeah, I just I had to give like... years right there. I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think twice. Yeah, you have to do. Time's flying, but yeah, it'll be here before we know it. And I think on the bean side of things, it's you know obviously it's an interesting time in the bean sector just with all the different options that you have available. But Enlist specifically, I just look at the convenience of that system and the flexibility, like you mentioned mentioned and um, you know we've had some trainings recently just thinking about what worked really well in that system this year and I think number one just that application window through R2 is really nice and then two if you look at that Enlist 1 herbicide just the flexibility of options you have to pair in with some of the weed control there um, is something that, that definitely gets me a little more excited about the system as well. Uh, when you look at that system as a whole you know what are some things that maybe jump out uh, to you around the Enlist system? Uh, yeah, it's just, um, you know, it's an attractive system. And yesterday, um, when I was in Caledonia, um, I think we had 35 or 40 producers there, give or take, um, you know, in this current year, none of them used Enlist E3 soybeans. And then I asked them, you know, how many are thinking about going that direction for 2021 and well over half the hands came up saying, okay, you know, we're strongly looking at it going, going that route. And, um, you know, the, the big reason, um, you know, it, it's not a surprise why, you know, certainly the application window uh, of Enlist Soybeans is a big reason why, where you're not having to fight a calendar date, you can go up to a crop stage of R2. Uh, that's a big reason why. And, and the other part of it is huge. The, the near zero volatility is a big thing that, you know, you know, if they know they get it sprayed, you know, once if, you know, if it's not wind blowing, you know, granted drift is different than volatilization that, you know, there's just a lot of ease of mind that knowing that if, if it hits the canopy, it's going to stay there. And then from that standpoint, with a tank mix partner flexibility, uh, being able to use AMS, being able to tank mix it with Liberty, um, it just really gives you a lot of options to try to, to, to tackle some of those tough weeds if needed. Now, again, it's not going to be a cure-all that we just go back to spraying this only. We're still going to spray a pre with Enlist. 
Uh, we're still going to layer residuals within less, which we'll, we'll talk quite a bit here at winter meetings and as we get prepared to, to do applications. But it's just a great system, uh, extremely flexible. And the other thing that's exciting too, we'll have replicated plot data this year, Allie, uh, with Pioneer Enlist E3 soybeans, something we didn't have last year as it was so new, but that's just going to make, uh, I think, that whole system a lot easier and something we'll talk about, I'm sure, a lot more between now and next planting season. Uh, with that, that's a wrap for this week, and uh, we'll be back here one week from today. Uh, be sure to tune in. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at AllieGWISE and at Josh Schaffner. Submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.